Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. Start date 0909-2019. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. We're back on track, on time, and on point. Today, we're going to be doing an in-depth analysis of 2013's Man of Steel. Uh, But before we get into that, let's chat. Let's catch up. Since I last spoke to you, uh, not much has changed. I started my first day at the local movie theater, and, uh, oh boy, was that fun. Uh, No, really, it wasn't... um, bad, except uh, we had to continuously turn uh, underage kids trying to get into It Chapter 2 away. There was these two kids that came in, they were teenagers, um, who after we told them the policy, they bought tickets for the other showing of of Overcomer or something like that, and uh, I knew they were going to do this, but they then immediately snuck into It 2, and our manager was doing rounds, checking, and so... She caught them right away. They spent the remainder of the showing in the lobby trying to convince us to let them in. I was like, man, at this point, just go home. <laughs> like, you're not getting in. There was uh, another big thing that happened, um, and that was my godmother uh, actually suffered two heart attacks over the weekend, um, which was crazy. I woke up uh, to a text from my mom saying she needed to talk to me, and I gave her a call, and she told me the situation Uh, My godmother lives, like, out in the middle of nowhere in Mexico. She had to be rushed to the nearest hospital, which is, like, three or four hours away. Uh, And it was pretty scary for a little bit. We didn't know what was going on or how she was. And, I mean, she's good now. She's back home. She's stable and just resting. But, um, no, it was a tough weekend for me because of that, Um, which is, you know, I want to give a quick shout-out to all the friends that reached out to me and asked how I was doing um, if any of you guys are listening, thank you, and just know that I, I appreciate every one of you, and I appreciate everybody else that reached out. Uh, sorry if the audio sounds a little kind of weird. I'm trying something new, so I was, uh, I'm was recording this d- day of Monday. Normally, I record Sunday and, 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 and upload on Monday, but yesterday my roommates were... I record at night, because that's usually when people quiet down on a Sunday, but my roommates are complete, completely non-normal people, and so they were had their friends over as loud as they could possibly talk and just shouting and blasting music up until like two in the morning on a Sunday night, which is weird because I know they have Monday uh, early morning classes just like me, but they don't seem to care about their uh, sleep or their health. And hey, listen, I get it. You know, I stay up super late sometimes too. And I've been in, I've been in their shoes making noise and whatnot, but never on a Sunday like we all. Anyway, so I wasn't able to, um, record this like on on the day that I normally record it and so the audio might sound a little weird because there used to be this recording room I think I talked about how there used to be two recording rooms in in our technology building one of those was just gutted and transformed into a closet um, or a storage room which I'm kind of upset about because it was completely padded room it was great for recording Um, and then we have a we had a backup place for audio recording uh, upstairs which used to have sound padding but because of all these changes that are undergoing the program and they haven't, you know, 
we're about a month or so into the semester and they haven't they 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 had all summer and for whatever reason I know it's tough or whatever but they haven't made the changes as they plan on making yet so they're still very much in the process of things so this room this audio room that was devoted to audio doesn't have any sound paneling in here and it's kind of empty so it it's probably going to sound echoey and I do apologize about that I'm trying my best um I just didn't want to record in my dorm again for the the fear of my roommates being loud and I didn't really like how the audio sounded last week, but apparently it's not much of an upgrade. But I promise within the next couple episodes, we're going to find a fix to this and get back on that that good audio that we all like. But yeah, let's just, let's just jump to the news of the week. Why don't we? Did you see the news that IT Chapter 2 has floated to number one in the box office with 185 million global debut? It Chapter 2 and its predecessor now rank as the first and second largest opening for both a horror film and September openings of all time. The film has received a cinema score of B+, uh, but it's currently uh, rated at 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so mixed reviews. Uh, internationally, the film opened in 75 markets and delivered a $94 million debut. Uh, with the largest horror movie openings in 16 different markets, including Russia, uh, the Netherlands, Norway, Finland, and Argentina. And the top market was Mexico, with an estimated $10.2 million. Did you see the news that Robert Axelrod, the actor who voiced the villainous Lord Zed in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, has passed away at the age of 70? Axelrod was a veteran actor best known for his roles as Lord Zed and Finster in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as well as Armadillomon and Wizardmon in the animated Digimon series. He originally got his start in the 70s as a guitarist before later moving into voice work in TV and film. According to his agent, he had created more than 150 characters over the course of his career. He also held roles in The Bold and the Beautiful and Star Trek Voyager. Did you see the news that according to Flash star Candace Patton, Oliver Queen's death on Arrow is going to be devastating? The CW fall season is set to be one of the biggest they've had yet, with Batwoman set to debut with her own series and the biggest crossover event in DC television history. Patton, who plays Iris West Allen on The Flash, spoke about Arrow's finale taking place during the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event, saying, It's insane. It's going to be the biggest, the best we've ever done. Obviously, Arrow, it's their last season, we want to send them out with a bang. I don't know what we can... I don't know how we can top what is probably coming with that episode. With Arrow set to come to an end after eight seasons and the breadcrumbs dropped in last year's Elseworld crossover and Arrow finale, it appears that the series will most likely end with Oliver Queen's death. Season 7 of Arrow even showed a headstone with Queen's date of uh, death being 2019. There may be some other reason he won't be popping up in the other shows in the future, but regardless, an Arrowless Arrowverse is a big deal. With Stephen Amell, the actor who plays the Green Arrow having been instrumental in the building of the shared universe, it was his characterization and portrayal of the character that led to the success of his show and the eventual birth of the Flash and DC Legends of Tomorrow television series. Patton told ComicBook.com that his absence will be devastating, saying, quote, I mean, he's so beloved in all these cities and by all these superheroes. I think it's going to be devastating. It's Oliver Queen. You can't replace Oliver Queen. You just can't. The Arrowverse crossover event is set to kick off with Supergirl on the CW on Sunday, December 8th at 8 p.m., and I will definitely be checking um, that out. I'm really excited for um, 
Arrow season eight. I'm sad slash excited for Arrow season eight. I'm a huge Arrow fan. That was like the, one of the first superhero shows that I really got into. And I've been there uh, from pretty close to the beginning. I've been there for for the beginning of all the other shows, but I think I jumped into Arrow with season two. And I've I've even had the opportunity to meet Stephen Amell at a Comic Con and super nice guy. Him and um, and his other cast members over there. I met his cousin too, Robbie Amell. But uh, no, I'm uh, yeah, I'm kind of sad to see the the end of Oliver Queen. Um, he's one of my been one of my favorite uh, characters and one of my favorite characters on a television series uh, that's superhero related but I think it's good uh, for it to come to an end and I'm excited to see what other uh, acting possibilities lay in the future for Amel. Did you see the news that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has taken another shot at the loud clowns and candy asses of our world while promoting more box office wins for Hobbs and Shaw? It's been three years since The Rock launched his Candy Asses feud against his male Fast and the Furious co-stars, but the latest updates are all about Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious spinoff. The Rock shared a deadline story about the film passing $700 million, becoming the highest-grossing non-Disney-slash-superhero movie of 2019 so far. And The Rock is all over that kind of stuff, and was quick to rub it in Tyrese Gibson's face after Tyrese uh, mocked Hobbs and Shaw's uh, low opening. The Rock made a post uh, with the Deadline report, captioning it with, quote, Assassins quietly play chess, loud clowns play checkers. Thank you, audiences worldwide, for this incredible support and massive win. Very cool and very grateful for the love. Hashtag hardest workers in the room. Hashtag hungry humble. Hashtag no candy asses. This uh, candy asses feud has been going on since Dwayne Johnson called out the Fast 8 men toward the end of filming for what would be called the Fate of the Furious. The Rock's Candy Asses rant was uh, said to be mostly about Vin Diesel, but there was also a separate beef between The Rock and Tyrese. Uh, Tyrese was upset that the Fast and Furious 9 was delayed so that Johnson could get his own hop spinoff, and uh, this is what Tyrese wrote at the time, quote, Congratulations to The Rock and your brother-in-law, also known as Seven Bucks producing partner H.H. Uh, Garcia41, for making the Fast and the Furious franchise about you. And like you, DJ, even if they call, I will not be deleting this post. Good night, folks. See you in 2020 April. Hashtag Fast Family, right? Nah. It's about hashtag Team Dwayne. Hashtag three years, will it be worth the wait? Hashtag no shot, just Hobbs. Will this be another hashtag Baywatch? Guys, guys, just relax. I'm just a passionate film critic. Another Baywatch. <laughs> Damn. Uh, fast forward to Hobbs and Shaw's opening weekend, and Tyrese seemed to delight in headlines about the spinoff having the lowest domestic opening since Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift in 2006, saying in a post, quote, I have to show my respect for one thing. He tried. Folks called me a hater and attacked me for speaking out. Breaking up the family clearly doesn't have the value that one would assume it does. Dwayne Johnson seemed to fire back at the shade as the Hobbs and Shaw box office kept steadily climbing, especially overseas, saying, quote, Number one movie and 333 million worldwide ain't too shabby. And remember, the best way to shut the mouth of a clown is to flex with success and a smile. Johnson, as of right now, appears to not be appearing in Fast and the Furious 9, which is now filming, uh, but Vin Diesel, Tyrese, and newcomers like John Cena have been confirmed 
Jordana Brewster has also returned, and since Paul Walker's brother Cody was seen walking around set, many are now speculating that we might see Brian return in some capacity. And finally, did you see the news that we might be seeing the return of Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? This speculation comes to, uh, due to the fact that Christensen and Ian McDermott, who plays uh, Emperor Palpatine, were seen out and about together while they were in Salt Lake City for the Fanex Comic Convention. The actors visited Primary Children's Hospital in Salt Lake and later had their spotlight panel at the convention canceled by Disney with Disney reportedly threatening to sue if the panel was not canceled. Yeah, I, I think it's totally possible that we see uh, Anakin return in some capacity in Episode 9. I, I would really hate it if he returned uh, to be on the dark side. I think this whole idea, I think it's going to be revealed that it wasn't uh, Anakin that was communicating with Kylo, but rather it was Palpatine in the guise of Vader, uh, because we saw Anakin's redemption arc, and I think it would be incredibly stupid to go back on that and just be like, oh, well, yeah, no, he's evil again. No, I think uh, I, I want, uh, look, I'm a huge uh, Hayden Christensen defender. I think he was just given bad scripts and, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, given good dialogue and, 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 and a real opportunity to shine. I think he's a good actor and I would really love for him to be in something that's, I love the prequels, but they're not that great. And I think this new trilogy is pretty good and so I would like uh, to see Hayden return in, in some capacity to deliver a strong performance. And I would love to see the return of Anakin Skywalker and kind of see how he feels about the situation going on. And um, I think I do think it's crazy, though, that Disney threatened to sue uh, Salt Lake Comic Con if they didn't cancel the panel. Because uh, that's insane. That means there's something. That something is definitely up. I think there was fear that maybe either of the actors would spoil something or leak something. But no, I, I'm totally 100% uh, on board for uh, Hayden Christensen returning. But And that's all the news we have, folks. Uh, let's jump into recommendations with Check This Out. All right, I am back at it again with the awesome recommendations. Let's get into them. First off on the list is a song by the Walkman called Heaven. Uh, this song is featured in uh, the finale of How I Met Your Mother, uh, which I still choose the alternate ending as a true finale, but technically there's an official finale, which I don't. doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into that. But um, this is a song that plays at the finale of How I Met Your Mother. It's a really, I, I love this song. It's a really like kind of upbeat, kind of um, hopeful uh, song. It, it's talking about like, the, the, it's talking about sort of it's kind of sort of like a love story kind of thing where uh, the lyrics are like our children will always hear romantic tales of distant years um, and it's just kind of like I don't know it's about coming together and refining love and rekindling that and and, and, and I think you know all the songs that I'm going to be recommending in the fall are all songs that I think add to this autumn element and I, every time the fall comes around I'm definitely listening to this song a lot and it's really great. I recommend you guys check it out. I also recommend you check out 100 Days uh, by AJR. It's um, part of their new album, Neo Theater, which in itself is great. You should check out all the songs on there. I'm going to be recommending more songs from that. Uh, but 100 Days is sort of, um, it's kind of a sad kind of hopeful song. It's uh, talking about how, you know, we're going to have these crappy days in life or whatever, and we're going to feel like complete idiots, like complete losers or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, 100 bad days make for 100 good stories. 
So out of basically it's saying out of every bad situation, there is a, there's a good, there's an upside to it. Um, and you should look for that upside. And so that's why I love, I love AGR. I think it's no secret that I love them. And the, this song is really good. It's called, again, it's 100 Days by AJR. It's on their Neo Theater album. Definitely check it out. Uh, I'm actually recommending another podcast today. Uh, I wish I was getting paid to recommend it, but this is just me recommending it. Uh, the podcast is called Suggestible. It's part of the Planet Broadcasting Network, and it's hosted by uh, James Clement, uh, or James Clements, also known as Mr. Sunday Movies, uh, who is one half of the weekly Planet Duo, which is another great podcast that I'll definitely be recommending in the future, uh, and his lovely wife, uh, Claire Tonti. Um, they're both Australians, and they, they in this podcast, they just sort of recommend uh, books, movies, TV shows, uh, to watch, read, um, and whatnot. Uh, but their their chemistry and their dynamic is really great, and it's really fun. It's a you know, it's very cutesy and very uh, well. I don't know. It's uh, it's just funny. They're both hilarious people. James is is hilarious, uh, but so is Claire, surprisingly. And so, I really like the dynamic that they both have. Um, and uh, it just you kind of get a little insight into their day to day, and it's really great. And so I definitely recommend checking that out. And it's also only 30 minute episodes, which I love. Uh, I'll just throw a couple on on and when I don't feel like listening to a two hour podcast. Um, so definitely check out Suggestible Podcast. You can find it on. It's called Suggestible. Uh, you can find it on any podcast directory. Uh, next up is Gravity Falls. I was actually reminded of the show. I'm surprised I hadn't recommended it yet uh, but I was reminded of the show I was hanging out with a buddy the other day and we just were watching it in the background uh, Gravity Falls is in my opinion perhaps one of the best western cartoons to come out in a long time it's certainly one of the best uh, pieces of children's entertainment and I don't I think I don't think you have to be a child to enjoy this and I don't know that it's necessarily uh, centered or uh, made for children it's basically it's it's a story of it's the it's about these two uh, these twins, uh, Dipper and Mabel Pines, and uh, they get sent. Um, they get sent to uh, Gravity Falls, Oregon, to spend the summer with their very weird, eccentric, estranged uh, great uncle Stan. And uh, Dipper discovers a journal in the woods that tells him about all the fantastical uh, creatures and things and mysteries. Uh, surrounding Gravity Falls, and he soon discovers that Gravity Falls is not what it seems, and it's an area full of the weird and the mystical uh, and strange anomalies. Uh, it's really good. It's, I mean, it's not just about that. It's also about their interactions or whatever. I just recommended this to a buddy, and he just finished watching it the other day, and we were having this conversation. Uh, it's really great because, I, you know, it's like every there's not ever a dull or a filler uh, episode with this series. Every episode is great in its own, and every episode still connects to the overarching story arc great animation, some great writing, some great themes, some great emotional moments. It's slightly based on Alex Hirsch, the creator, uh, his his uh, his life growing up with his twin sister. And I absolutely love it. I think Alex Hirsch is a genius and he's very talented. And uh, this show is so, so damn good. Um, definitely check out Gravity Falls. The last thing on today's uh, recommendation is mid-90s. I just watched this last night. Uh, it's Jonah Hill's directorial debut. It's a movie about a young boy, Stevie, yeah, who he's kind of a troubled kid. He's very lonely and faces abuse from his older brother, and his mom's kind of distant. Uh, and he gets into the world of uh, skating in California, 
And so it's kind of like about the culture of skating, but it's kind of in the background of this kind of sort of coming of age tale. It's really quite beautiful. I'm not going to get too much into it because I want to do an episode on this later on. Uh, but it's really beautiful. It's shot in, in on a 16 millimeter film, uh, which is crazy. Uh, I forget the formatting of it, but it's got sidebars, uh, which is interesting because you you almost always see cinema bars in movies, but sidebars you don't really see that that often nowadays. But I think it just kind of adds the uh, aesthetic and the sort of artsiness of the film. It's a very it's a very artsy film, and I I fucking loved this movie. It it left me with such a strange feeling after I finished watching it. It's sad, it's somber, but it's also happy, and it's also, it's a lot of things. Um, but it's really, really damn good. Jonah Hill, I did not know he had this in him. Um, but he does such a fantastic job with a more serious story and some great dialogue and some great writing in this. Uh, and some def- some fantastic directing, too. Beautiful cinematography. Definitely check out Mid-90s. You'd be doing yourself a huge favor. Yeah, with that, let's jump into the episode topic. Man of Steel was the first film in DC's attempted cinematic universe. It was meant to set the groundwork for the slate of films to follow. And it was a return of Superman to the big screen after 2006's Superman Returns, which I actually remember seeing in theaters when I was like five years old. Uh, And director Zack Snyder set out to reboot the series and take it in a much different direction than what we had previously seen, with more action, emotion, and beautiful imagery and symbolism. So let's jump into it. Uh, starting off, I really have to say that birth scene at the beginning of this film is is, is kind of actually really beautiful. And, and that's not to say that I don't think birth is, is a beautiful thing. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure as I get older, that might change. I think birth can be kind of scary. Uh, from my health class, um, the health classes that I took and seeing the Miracle of Life video, Jesus Christ, that's it's, a, it's fucking insane. But in this, um, just sort of the portrayal of it is, is kind of beautiful because, um, you, you know, it's, it's kind of a quiet moment and it's very quick. Uh, but I really liked the inclusion of it. It uh, kind of started to set the, the emotion that is to be felt throughout the rest of the, the film. I like how Krypton looks in this film. Um, I like how it looks in this film a lot more than I like how it looked in Donner Superman. I, though I don't really understand the layout of Krypton in this film. I'm not super in love with the Avatar-ness of it all. It kind of felt very reminiscent of Avatar with their, you know, floating, flying uh, winged animals and their land, uh, their, like, stone pillars. and I don't know. It just didn't make sense. But I did prefer it, though, to giant crystals, which is what we'd previously gone before. And and, uh, so I preferred this. I I did prefer this. Uh, I thought it was kind of badass that they gave Jor-El knowledge of fighting, so he would be more than just the wise space dad. Um, it kind of gave him a further role. It was like, yeah, he's a scientist or whatever, but he can also hold his own. Uh, with that being said, I think a lot of it comes, though, from Russell Crowe's performance. And Russell Crowe was actually pretty great as Jor-El. Uh, don't get me wrong, Brando is fantastic, but Russell Crowe kind of brings this, this newfound wisdom and almost relatability to the character you you kind of feel for him a lot more um i mean it, it helps that we see a lot more of him but uh, i think he's he's more than just a wise space dad he's he's sort of a, a real a more realistic and more grounded character uh someone who who was just trying to do the best for his planet and for his people uh, but was being ignored i love the inclusion of the line from the original uh, superman movies of our hopes and dreams travel with you. 
as they're setting, uh, sending a, a baby cow to Earth. I really, really love that. And that fucking line gets me every time. Uh, there's a big thing in this movie, and Batman v Superman, about making similarities between Jesus and Superman. And you first kind of start to notice it uh, with the fact that he's the first natural birth in centuries on Krypton. So from the beginning, he's tied to Jesus because he has a different uh, birth than everybody else. You know, Jesus of, of Nazareth had this this uh, virgin birth that hadn't occurred before. And now and Superman is having this natural birth, which hasn't occurred in a long time. And so he's already interesting and different than everyone else from birth. Um, the I will find him scene is fucking great. It really shows how just insane and batshit Zod is. Like he, even, even as he's being punished and facing punishment, he doesn't care about that. He wants Lara to know that he is going to find his son and he is going to get his way. Um, and I love how he's, you know, as, as he progresses, he loses, loses his temper and his patience. I love how he just starts with, oh, you think your son is safe? I'll find him. I'll find him. And you? You believe your son is safe? I will find him. I will reclaim what you have taken from us. I will find him. I will find him, Lara. I will find him! Yeah, it's, it's a great scene. I think uh, Michael Shannon does an amazing job as uh, Zod. I thought it was really sad that Lara had to face the end of the world on her own. Traditionally, you know, uh, Lara and Jor-El face the end of the world together. Um, I think it was interesting, an interesting choice to have Jor-El be killed off and made him more of a martyr. Uh, and it gave, I, of course, it gave, you know, it made uh, Zod and, and Superman's relationship a lot more personal. But I thought it was, I really liked Lara's death. I thought it was really sad and poignant how she sort of accepts the the fact that her husband was right and everybody else was was dumb not to listen and but she knows that her son is out there and he's going to survive and he's going to he's going to accomplish great things and so she accepts the inevitability of her death. Clark first getting his powers in the classroom is so chaotic and just brilliantly shot in a way that helps the audience feel his pain and confusion with just the jarringness of it all from the sounds, from the shots, from the visuals. Everything about it makes you feel his confusion and his pain. Imagine being a child and having to go through all that. It would be insane. You would go crazy, which is why I really love how Martha uh, is able to calm him down. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. Just, um... Focus on my voice. Pretend it's an island out in the ocean. Can you see it? I see it. Then swim towards it, honey. And I think this is just a really great introduction to Martha Kent because it sets her up as a very loving yet incredibly wise mother. It gives her a lot more to do than we've previously seen. Um, I think she was, I mean, because of what happens to Jonathan, she's a, a key figure in Superman's life, but especially in this Batman movie, Superman, she's set up as a very important person uh, in this new Superman mythos. Uh, there's some beautiful, beautiful cinema, cinematography in this. Just 
absolutely beautiful. I think you notice it the most when they do their um, the farm shots or the uh, the uh, flashback scenes. Um, just mm, chef's kiss. Uh, Jesus Christ is Henry Cavill huge in this, uh, which is crazy because he got even bigger for Batman v Superman. But the scene where he's coming out of the water and he's he's looking for clothes, holy hell! That those man that man's pecs are bigger than my face. Like Jesus Christ, the devotion. I was reading a thing where he refused to take steroids or he wear any padded um, padding on his costume because he wanted it to be real and he wanted this to be a challenge, and so he bulked up. Um, I like his physique in this a lot more than Batman v Superman because I felt like he got really big for that. I also really, I like, I prefer his hair, how it looks in this, than how it looks in Batman v Superman. But yeah, I mean, it's still incredible devotion and I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, Superman would be huge. Uh, I love the beautiful close-ups of the everyday objects when they're flashing back to, um, to after Cal saves the, uh, or Clark saves the bus. And they do like a close-up of the door and the and the pot and the and I and the the swing. It's really really great. I've, I've talked. I think I talked about this on the last episode. I'm a huge fan of uh, cuts to everyday objects. I try to incorporate it in my work, um, uh, but it's. I think it's really. Good. I think it's really good. It's a nice little change of pace, and it sort of just lets you appreciate the art form. I really like how the town folks react to Clark's ability because to me it's especially in the Midwest having lived in the Midwest for about two years now and and interacted with the people I think it is incredibly truthful that they would react in this this way uh, of seeing someone with abilities like this of being like oh my gosh he's an angel he's a sign from heaven you know you know historically Midwestern people have been a lot more religious and so to see how the uh the town folk react in that sense of, of seeing this as a sign from God is uh, is really interesting and adds a bit of realism. And it also adds to the Jesus parallel. Uh, Kevin Costner is just phenomenal. He is so brilliantly perfect in the role of Jonathan Kent. I think I was on the, I'm part of the uh, uh, Weekly Planet uh, Great Mates group on Facebook. And the other day they were talking about, uh, they were asking the question of, who do we think, regardless of how good the movie was, was perfectly cast as a comic book character? Me? I think Jonathan Kent was perfectly cast. Uh, or, I'm sorry, yeah. I think Jonathan Kent was perfectly cast in, in Kevin Costner. I think he was a brilliantly... Uh, and it, not, uh, I, I can't even find the words for this, but I think Kevin Costner brought a real sense of, of middleman feeling to the role while also keeping that wiseness and um, humility of the character. I think Kevin Costner usually brings this in every role that he has, and I think it's just sort of this aura around him. But yeah, in this, it's really great. Um, I thought he was uh, absolutely phenomenal as Jonathan Kent. And I think that it is especially showcased in the interactions he has with, with uh, young Clark. I think it's especially uh, obvious in the scene of where he explains to Clark how he came to Earth and how they found him, and uh, you know Clark obviously is uh, distressed by the this knowledge, and um, he tells him. I just keep pretending I'm your son. You are my son. But somewhere out there, you you have another father too who gave you another name. And he sent you here for a reason, Clark. 
And even if it takes you the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. Every time I, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, and this movie isn't great, but I think it has some really great lines, and especially that line gets to me every time and it makes me tear up. It's just, it's just beautiful. The performance from both of the actors really helps add to it. But yeah, Kevin Costner is definitely great as Jonathan Kent. Lois Lane is so incredibly irritating in this. She takes no one's crap, sticks her nose where it doesn't belong, and I love it. It's just like Lois in the comics would uh, do. And uh, Amy, Adam, Amy Adams is uh, quite good in this role. The one question I, I have from this movie, and I don't know what they were setting up. A lot of people thought it could be Supergirl. But I want to know who left the pod on the scout ship because there's one open pod. Uh, and I want to know if they lived, uh, you know, what they did. And, and you know, with uh, the future of Superman being uncertain in this uh, DC universe. I don't know if we'll ever know that, but uh, I would really fucking love to know. Uh, I do like the explanation of Krypton's history, that they used to be these explorers and these colonists. It, get, it just sort of adds that, that Krypton was more than just this little planet out there full of these people, because it's like, oh, they died, so what? But no, they were impacting this universe. Um, I kind of suspect that something happened to those colonists because one of them is like holding a gun and has like a shocked, horrified expression on his face. You wouldn't just sit there and starve to death with a gun in your hand. I think they were attacked or something, but I would like to, maybe it was Brainiac, and I would like to see that explained later on. The score is absolutely beautiful in this. Hans Zimmer is amazing. Uh, Flight is the, the, the song that plays when, the, the main theme that, that plays when Superman uh, starts to learn his his, uh, his ability to fly is beautiful. Um, the in time quote is just great. And actually, let me read that quote to you. Um, you will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun, Cal. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. It's just chef's kiss. Um, I, I really like how they showcased uh, Lois's investigative spirit by how she tracks Clark down. And, and yeah, he hasn't been, he's supposedly, we're supposed to believe that he's been really careful. Um, and yeah, he has been, I guess. But uh, he wasn't very careful when he was younger, and a lot of people witnessed. Him, so maybe it wouldn't be that hard to track him down. But I really like how they showcased that she followed leads. She, you know, read employee reports or whatever. And she did all this so that she could find him. And I think it's really, really great because it, it gives her a lot more than just the annoying journalist, you know. I fucking love the farm shots. I, 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 the cinematography in this is beautiful. But the, the shots of the farm are just so damn great. I'm not from Kansas. I'm not a farmer. But it makes me be like, oh, that's some great. I wish I could live there. And I wish my life could be like that and whatnot. But, I, but anyway, it's just good. Um, Diane Lane is also just great in the role of Martha. I should mention that as well. Um, she's equally well-casted, like Russell Crowe. Um, she just brings a sort of sadness and love to this role and I really really like that um, the Jesus parallel with Superman is super obvious in uh, in the church um, literally they frame you know Jesus over his shoulder uh, but I I think I don't you know as a Christian myself I wasn't incredibly bothered by this uh, parallel between Superman and Christ and the reason was I think it's it's 
totally fair to assume that this would occur. Um, you know, because of the things that he can do, um, because of his power, he would totally be seen as a god and as sort of the savior for humanity. Um, so I don't mind it because I think, yes, this is a realistic thing that he would be seen. And I think it's kind of beautiful in a way uh, to present Superman as this greater than life uh, man who walked among us, understanding and caring and loving humanity while having the power to to annihilate us or whatever. And, and I'm not saying that that's how Christ was, but I'm just saying I, I, don't, I don't completely hate the Jesus parallels. I think it's kind of interesting that Snyder did this, and um, I think it's kind of good. Lois and Superman holding hands uh, but not speaking uh, is really great. It's well done. I'm a big fan, of, and I talked about this in the last episode, in the Super 8 episode. I'm a big fan of, uh, of this um, quietness uh, where um, the acting is all in the facial expressions. I don't love the super zooms in this. Uh, that's the one big complaint uh, that I have. I don't love the super super zooms. There's too many in this in this film. I don't know if this was just like a new thing, and that's why they used it so much. Not a big fan of it. Also, don't like how destruction horny uh, Zack Snyder was in this. Um, I'm trying to only say positive things about this, but yeah, he really they could have avoided some of that destruction. But anyway, um, but also I can see why he did it because they're larger than life gods. They wouldn't really care uh, if they destroyed a couple skyscrapers. And it's Superman at the beginning of his career, so he's very um, naive and innocent. I really do like how the Kryptonians move incredibly fast when they attack because it's almost a sort of calculated chaos. And it's something that they, you know, if they're discovering these abilities, they would totally take advantage of. I love that uh, Martha uh, goes back in for the photo albums after the uh, truck is thrown, in, is thrown into her house. Because it's such a mom thing to do. I know my mom would would run back into a burning building to save our baby pictures. Uh, and I really like uh, the imagery of Superman uh, ascending to destroy the world engine, just sort of him in this white field. And it's, it's really, really great. I love it. The one thing that this film does have going for it is its massive appeal to pathos or uh, emotion through its imagery. It's a big thing, uh, and that's I think that's why I like it, the cinematography so much. They purposefully were like, we want to make people feel emotion uh, by these shots and then this sort of imagery, these the way we uh, set up and uh, pose our characters and the settings and the, and the situations that they're in. I love uh, Kid Clark running around with a cape on as Jonathan and Martha watch him, and Jonathan sort of understands that that's his son's future. He's going to be this this figure of hope and possibilities for humanity. But also, it's some great cinematography. I love the color grading in that. It's just beautiful. It's warm and it's rich, and I love it. Uh, overall, this movie is just a really good Superman origin with a phenomenal score and just beautiful cinematography and some great emotional moments and themes. And that's the end of our analysis. Uh, it's now time to wrap up the show. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out to Rob Main, who left a five-star review on Apple saying, Fire, great podcast, check it out. Uh, thanks again for that, Rob. Uh, if you enjoy the show, make sure to leave a five-star review uh, 
which you can do in-app, and I'll read your reviews here. Uh, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Uh, anything helps keep uh, the lights on, even though I don't pay for the electric bill. The university does, but you can help me pay back this uh, big-time gangster that I owe a lot of money to. And uh, I'm really scared because he's threatening to break my legs if I don't have his money, and I don't have his money. So please help me. I really like my legs not broken. And you can also follow me on Instagram at j.vaya underscore and the show on Twitter at Captain's Log Pod, uh, as well as subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle. Uh, make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and make sure to write in to captainslogcast at gmail.com with suggestions, comments, or concerns. I guess you could write in if you're concerned, especially after hearing that gangster thing. I wasn't kidding, guys. He's really going to break my legs. Uh, Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of our show. Tune in uh, next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode. I've been your Captain Jose Valle, and this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Transmission.